Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, buddy, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, episode 183. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. There's there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. We've got two basketball games to discuss. We've got a new offensive coordinator yeah, we yeah, he was on our list last week. He was. I left it in the notes. I, I I cut everything else out and and left the bullet point where we we talked about him. I did not think it would happen, <laughs> and I'm still not sure what I think about it. But we'll talk about it more. But yeah. he was on our list for uh, for those who who are just joining us, perhaps for the first time. Welcome, welcome to the 23 Personal Podcast. I'm sitting on my couch in my living room, wearing red red pajama pants <laughs> with Red, moose on them dredgy pants with mooses on them pajama pants so that's that's michael i'm spencer your your hosts uh for the next hour plus of podcasting entertainment time we will talk about sonny cumby and his new position as the offensive coordinator for texas tech football we will talk about the texas tech basketball games versus kansas and oklahoma tonight what a win tonight to close out Oklahoma on the road without two of your better players. Like your, your two leading scores ended up fouling out. Uh, that had significant size, which could have come into play there at the very end of the way that Oklahoma was breaking their free throws on purpose to get the rebound Big time. Yeah. Which is, you know, nothing. Um, we will have the look ahead another couple more games and then get into some football uh national signing day the early period was last week we'll do a very quick update on that roster updates lots of players deciding to come back deciding to leave in terms of transfers or uh seek the professional game um maybe talk about the playoff or at least laugh at the uh, at, at the Aggies, because that's always fun. Oh man, poor poor Aggies. It's just it's just awful. Uh, you, you hate to see it. Questions and what we learned. So if you want to keep up with us on Twitter, you can follow the show at Twenty Three Personnel. Been lots of activity there the past couple of days, twenty four hours specifically. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, you can follow me at Punts Suck. That's Spencer at Punts Suck. Michael at Michael underscore LBK. You can find us on Instagram at 23 personnel podcast. And if you want to pick up your own 23 personnel podcast, t-shirt or hoodie teespring.com slash stores slash 23 personnel podcast. 
Hey, Michael. Yes, sir. The wait is finally over. What? Get out of town. Football's in full effect. You know, the NFL playoffs are coming up, man. I, I, I'm getting I've the div- divisional playoff weekend commercial on the Hulu for like a, two weeks now. <laughs> like these games are a month away. <laughs> they don't even know who's good. At, well, they might know some of it, but yeah. What with those teams, many teams, those teams specifically starting their stuff. Cowboys can't figure out if they want to tank or if they want to, if they want to win the NFC East at like six and 10. Either way, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's, Michael, let's start with, uh, let's start with Sonny Cumbie. Okay. What was your, what was your initial reaction when this started making the news, making the rounds last night? And last night is Monday, December 21st. Do you watch the office? Yes, I have seen the office. Do you, so there's a, there's a scene specifically when Michael realizes that his, uh, his best friend, not that his, um, his HR representative, Toby, is oh, back Toby. from back from vacation, but he hasn't noticed it yet. And he goes back to the annex where Toby sits, realizes that he's there and goes, no, no, oh. no. <laughs> oh, it's, it's the no clip. Yeah. That, so that's, um, that was my initial reaction because that's just not, it's just not the guy that we all thought that we wanted that was going to move the needle. Uh, he, he, he made it on, onto our, uh, our candidate list. He made it onto Rob Rose, but it was almost like kind of had to include him. Right. Former tech quarterback who happens to be still in the state and just seems like you got to throw him in there. I, I, I felt similar. I am probably sugarcoating it a little bit. I think I overreacted slightly in the Slack chat, but it was, <laughs> And let me start before, let me finish before I go too deep into this. Obviously go to root for him. Obviously want him to do well. I don't care what type of offense he runs as long as it's successful. If he goes some really, you know, two back run heavy offense, I'm here for it. Let's, let's change up the personnel, which you'll get to a little bit more later because I didn't get to finish the press conference. There's a lot going on tonight including basketball games. So I know that he touched on that a little bit in his press conference, but the the thing that I looked at the most and the thing that us as Raider fans probably have seen over the last seven seasons is a TCU offense that is rough. It was not a consistent offense. They had a, you know, Boykin was already there when Cumbie got there. Of course he had stellar years the last two years maybe we shouldn't mention him now that he's in prison, but anyway, he did, he did uh, play football good back then. And then Kenny Hills, probably the other guy that you think of who his stats came out better than I thought they were. And, you know, TCU had some good years under him, but these last two or three years have been really bad football outsiders. TCU's offense in 2018 was 111th 
they were 82nd last year and they were in the fifties this year. So it's, it's been a rough three year stretch. Um, just was not impressed initially was not who I thought of initially. Seems like a lot of weird politics going on that yep. could possibly be a head coach in waiting kind of thing. And I don't know if this was Matt Wells thinking of this all by himself to go hire former Texas tech quarterback, Sonny Cumbie and former co-offensive coordinator, Sonny Cumbie. But you know, I'm obviously going to give him a chance. Like I told you before we started recording, I'm sure by August or probably before then I'm going to be fully on board with this hire and I think it's going to be a great decision, but I'm doing better than I was yesterday. But yesterday when it hit the news late, I was just not feeling it. It, it was not the, I, and I don't know who I wanted. This is, the, this is probably the only hire that I would have had a strong pushback on. I, I wasn't crazy about Kitley. Kind of wasn't crazy about Harold for the same reason as Cumby, But th- those were the only three I probably would have had a strong opinion on. If we'd have gotten just some up and comer guy from the group of five, I probably would have Googled his name and figured <laughs> out some stuff about him and thought, all right, sure, whatever, let's go for it. But just seeing this TCU quote unquote offense for the last seven years <laughs> quote unquote. has been, has been rough, man. They have so, not been good. They have not been consistent. And I'm, we'll probably get into more reasons may or, you know, why this may or may not be. But uh, anyway, that was just where I was last night and kind of where I'm at right now. So with, with my trajectory on, um, where I started last night and where I'm at right now, I will be on board probably before we're done recording. <laughs> You're going to um, talk yourself into it. <laughs> I'm going to talk myself into it. So, so here, here's, here's one of the things apparently, uh, and this is not something I realized that they were, that they had done. Um, they led the league this year in rushing. Yes. But who was their leading rusher? The quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Is that going to work? Is that going to work here? <laughs> um, you know, probably there's, not. There's no. the thing. I, th- but, I think, you know, we, we can talk about that. He probably tooled his offense a little bit. And, and then there's even arguments as to how much of it was his. So anyway, the offense was tooled a little bit, possibly to emphasize Duggan's ability to run. And it was tooled so much that he was their leading rusher for a team that was the leading rushing team in the big 12. <laughs> but like, so he, he, he led, um, like the, like the next leading, the next rusher was a running back and, and he had a hundred yards over 10 games. So 10 yards per game more, um, than the next guy. He had more attempts, obviously he had 160. Sorry. Anyways. Yeah. D- Duggan had 500 yards, then they had basically three running backs right at 400 yards apiece. Another one at 200 and then a handful of guys between 50 and hundred. Like, so they picked up a bunch of yards on the ground. Um, Duggan was not a very good passer, but I think if, if, if you want to look at it, like, well, maybe that just wasn't his skill set, and you can give, the offensive staff, they are credit for 
not forcing square peg round hole type thing where, you know, he completed 61% of his passes uh, for nearly 1800 yards, but they did not live and die on the arm of Max Duggan. No, that's not how the offense was designed. And, and, and we're not here trying to, if, if TCU's offense would have been consistent and, you know, something similar to what Baylor used to run or, you know, it doesn't have to be an air raid offense. I don't think that's no. what we care. I know that's not what we care about. We've talked about that many times on here, but, and, and I hope that Cumbie doesn't feel like he has to do that. That's kind of what that press conference made it sound like. That's what he's going to shoot for to that. I don't know if he used the word air raid. Like I said, spoiler alert, I haven't finished the press conference. <laughs> well, so w- one of the reporters did, uh, and in, in his answer, he didn't, he didn't repeat it back. Um, sure. He asked about the offensive philosophy. He said, we're going to try to be explosive. Uh, the things that he said, and, and if you haven't watched it yet, in a sense, very similar to Matt Wells, he said all the right things and said the right things the right way. Like I, the 25 minutes or whatever that I'm into this press conference, I feel much better about the direction that he could the, the, the leadership that, that he can provide, uh, as the offensive coordinator. Well, and I'm um, not being snarky when I ask this, what, what, what are some examples of things that he said that kind of gave you a little bit more confidence? Um, so none of it had to do with like philosophy or scheme wise, like he, he it, the parts I, I've watched, he hasn't talked X's and O's in a very specific manner yet, but he has demonstrated a knowledge of the roster that you would not expect somebody that's been in the job less than 24 hours to know. He knew all of the quarterbacks names. He knew all of the the receivers names. Um, He, he stumbled on, on Dalton Rigdon, but he knew that he was a fast guy from Perryton. (laughs) So yeah, he referred to him as, as as that speedster from Perryton until somebody said Dalton Rigdon. Oh yeah, that's what it meant. (laughs) But like, he was dropping names, uh, easy, um, miles price, uh, and see, I want to mess it up too. Uh, Loic fungi from Midland, uh, Trey Cleveland, uh, JJ Sparkman, who didn't even play this year, but he, he had his name on his mind. Um, whether it was through just analyzing the roster and, and, and obviously recruiting against Texas tech. Um, he knew all of the running backs' names. He said Sir Roderick, uh, Chadarius, the, the speed guy from Alabama, uh, that that amazing freshman Taj Brooks, uh, Xavier White. He said it's from right here in, in Lubbock. He's played every position out here. Um, so like he already has a grasp of like of the roster that surprised me. Again, twenty four hours in, that's not like an indicator of success down the road, right? That doesn't mean we're going to sure. run, you know, but it's, it's an obvious interest in the team, immediate interest and the ability to hopefully make some uh, good decisions regarding what these yeah. guys are capable of doing and what, he, how he can use them. He said he recruited Kuntz because he, he liked his skill set. Uh, the, the one thing that he mentioned, you know, he said that they're, they're going to build the offense around guys that, that do things well. So he said, you know, in, in our evaluation, we're, we're going to go back through and look at game tapes. We're going to look at and evaluate all these players. We're going to figure out what Eric Azucanma does best. 
And that's what we're going to try to do next year. We're going to figure out what Sir Roger Thompson does best. And that's what we're going to do. Like he said, we're going to, we're going to figure out what, what they do. And then we're going to do that. Um, so it, it, it demonstrated that he's not, well, we're going to run these plays, uh, and, right. and, and that's going to yeah. be it. Um, he, he specifically said, uh, he and Matt Wells said like, we're, we're, we're going to run the personnel out there that, that makes the most sense. We're going to be in 10 personnel. Sometimes we're going to be 11 where we're going to be in two back. Like just Wells whatever. said that last week too. I think Wells said that during his, his, uh, his press conference on national signing day about yeah. trying different, uh, different personnel looks and, you know, maybe they'll see 23 personnel. Uh, uh, we always got to throw that in there anyway. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I was interested in that for sure then. And, Still am. He said it again tonight, like, like yeah. unprompted in, in, in Wells opening statement, like we're going to run out multiple personnel groupings. Whereas the complete opposite is what was being said from, from David Yost is like, we're going to run this personnel grouping all the time. So, um, you know, it, it just that he, he demonstrated like a knowledge and interest in the players already here. Um, he, he said, you know, in, in the evaluation process, we're going to figure out what, what they do well and we're going to try to build the offense around them. Um, you know, he mentioned some of the coaching staff that's already here, which I, I, I still don't know how it's going to work because, um, you know, it doesn't seem like he's going to have the flexibility to, to build the offensive staff around him that he's going to use who's already here. Um, well, and he's not going to fire his teammate, his former teammate or anything, you know, <laughs> he's like probably that. not firing Fulani. Yeah. Um, he's not firing he Luke Wells. Could be bringing in an offensive line coach. The, there's there's an unconfirmed tweet I saw. Chris Thompson, who, if you guys remember, uh, Keith remembered, shout out to Keith in our Slack chat immediately, that he was actually the interim coach in the Meineke Car Care Bowl uh, when Tuberville left. Which is also, also, yeah. Oh, which sorry, was also, <laughs> we're, we're probably going to have the same point here. Um, that was a game that Cumbie was interim offensive coordinator for. Right. And so Chris, and so Thompson, I believe is at Florida state coaching tight ends right now. And there was one lone tweet last night from a, what looked like a bona fide account saying that Cumbie was looking to bring Thompson in as an offensive line coach, which would kind of make sense. That was one of the coaches that we thought might not make the cut that might be the one coach that mm. the new OC would have the chance to switch out. Cause you're not going to fire the, the head coach's brother. You're not going to fire Joel Filani. You're not going to fire Donovan Smith's dad, who also happens to coach one of, if not the best position groups on the team. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, he was very limited in that. So uh, it's, there's some truth to that. You know, maybe if there's some truth to that, then maybe there will be at least one hire that Cumbie can, can bring in and a guy that he's familiar with and has worked with uh, for several years. The other thing that, that I, I think kind of lends itself to this is TCU has had, you know, recent success in putting offensive linemen in the NFL. Um, and with the, you know, former TCU offensive coordinator, maybe he's got connections to, to that, 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 coaching tree for offensive linemen. Maybe he goes after that offensive line coach or, or maybe it is Chris Thompson who was here at, at Texas tech. Um, I do want to go back and, and kind of go through, uh, Cumbie's history really quickly. Um, he obviously played here, 
uh, was on, on, on the team, uh, I guess starting in 2000 as a walk on from Snyder, uh, worked his way up and eventually was the starter in 2004 as a senior, um, played professionally in, he started in the NFL or did he go like arena? Anyways, he ended I, up, I don't know. He ended up playing, uh, professionally in the, in the arena football league for a few years. Um, and then was one, uh, one of the color commentators for Texas tech football on their broadcast. He's, uh, he's actually in our, our football bumper when we play the, uh, the, uh, Michael Crabtree touchdown catch versus, uh, Texas, he is the third voice in the booth. That's uh, going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it, it, Brian Jensen, um, John, blank on his Harris. name, John Harris, and then Sonny Cumbie are all three in the booth. Uh, Sonny Cumbie's losing his mind. Um, so that, that was 2008, 2009. He joins the Texas Tech football staff as a grad assistant under Leach, um, survives the Leach departure is hired and promoted under Tommy Tuberville as an inside receivers coach was here. All of those three years was retained by Cliff Kingsbury and promoted to co-offensive coordinator with Eric Morris for Kingsbury's first year, which 2013 and then 2014 is when he was hired out to TCU and has been there with them in mostly a co-offensive coordinator role. Uh, I think uh, he's had, the offensive coordinator title this year, but also had that weird relationship where um, TCU brought back Doug Meacham, who was uh, co-OC with Cumbie for a couple of years, and Jerry Kill, who was the actually the head coach that uh, Cumbie was calling offenses against in the, the Monarchy Car Care Bowl uh, when he was there oh, in yeah. Minnesota. Um, he was there as, as some kind of advisor, assistant level guy but on the offense. So while he still was the OC, he still had to contend with a couple other voices in the room. Um, so there's that he was courted, at least rumored to be courted by, by Texas in 2016, which prompted uh, TCU to give him a raise and make him at the time, the highest paid assistant in the country, which is funny. Look back. I think he was making 600 or $700,000 that year as, as an OC and as the highest paid coach, like you look now, it's like, well, Graham Harrell isn't the highest paid assistant. He's making one six. Oh my gosh. I know <laughs> he's making a whole million dollars more. Yes. Um, the details of his contract as of, you know, recording tonight have not been released. Um, there have been rumors like, like some kind of associate head coach title, uh, head coach in waiting, which so bro and I grabbed lunch today and he said, there are very few scenarios that you have a guy on staff that would survive a coaching change in Cumbie's position to be elevated to head coach. It's like, because if you're doing well enough on offense that you'd want to retain Cumbie, your defense would have to either fall off the floor, like off the you know face of the planet or whatever. Um, or, you just have some very specific, like, like very specific mistakes that you can place on Matt Wells and Matt Wells alone. Um, or there was some kind of scandal or controversy or special teams related stuff. Like 
a few years ago, you couldn't hit a field goal. You couldn't field a punt. You couldn't field a kickoff. All those things that you can um, overcome maybe a little bit, but still like lose games. So like, it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that Cumbie would be able to survive a coaching change and be promoted to the head coach here. Cause if he's doing well, odds are Matt Wells is not leaving. That's true. That, that, that would be the situation unless Matt Wells took a job somewhere else. Right. If he left voluntarily and, and then that scenario would leave the door open for Cumbie. But there's also, it's, it's just like you said, it's text defense while still not statistically great is better than what we're used to has, has done, uh, I'm not going to say that they've just consistently blown the doors off and gotten so much better every year. Uh, but they have shown signs of improvement, but there is a chance, you know, what if it turns into another one of those years where Tech's averaging 44 points a game and they go for four and eight, you know, then that would be the scenario where I think people would start calling for Wells's head and to just say, well, just let Cumbie do it. Hell, yeah. just let him run it. I mean, it, I mean, there, there are a couple scenarios where it's not crazy and just judging by how fast people jumped on board with this. And I think a lot of it, I don't want to discredit people because I'm sure there are some who watch Texas Christian football on offense and just think, gosh, that's beautiful. I want to be a part of it. But I think a lot of it is just, uh, oh, well, he's a red Raider. He's, he's one of us. Let's bring him back. He's going to do like Mike, Mike Leach did. We're going to run four verts, bring the pirate ship. And so I think that just kind of devolves into that. So it just can cloud people's judgment. I've been, a, I've been guilty of that. My thoughts on Kingsbury were definitely clouding my judgment. I probably would still want him here and I'd still be coming up with reasons why he should be here after winning four games or whatever. <laughs> but luckily I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. So I, I get it. But I, I think there are some scenarios, a few that could quickly turn into, we'll just give it to Cumbie, get yeah. Wells out of here, give it to Cumbie. Let him, he needs to bring in his own guys. He's got to have his own guys. Wells is holding him back. That That's the other thing. We're going to get to this a little bit. The whole theory behind this is that Patterson, and I don't think it's a theory anymore. I did it first, but it seems like there's actually some some weight to it. And I think Cumbie might have even addressed it slightly himself. But the big rumor is that Patterson limited Cumbie's offensive play calling. But then people remind me, well, Cumbie wasn't even the OC. And then I'm reminded, reminding them, well, why are we hiring him again? Yeah. So we're hiring a guy who's never been an OC. So what's what's it's just an endless loop. But anyway... Patterson supposedly limited him. Um, and so the argument could quickly be made as, as fast as people jumped on that. And as fast as people were willing to say, Oh, that's the story. That's why they weren't as good as maybe what you'd expect them to be. That's because he wasn't allowed to be. They're going to say the same thing about Wells and say, well, maybe it's time for Wells to go so that Cumbie can do his own thing. I, I just think there's several scenarios where if things don't go well next year, but certain things do go well, then it's, it's going to be, um, well, we're not going to kick out the red Raider. Let's yeah. see if we can keep him at least. Cause that, that, that is a possibility. Uh, I have seen some TCU fan support of Cumbie, uh, and they did say, you know, 
as a defensive coach in Gary Patterson, he was very protective of his defense. He was very um, taken up with the stats, uh, the rankings, all that kind of stuff. But also he was, he didn't want Cumbie and the offense to put them in a weird position because um, the defense didn't get a chance to rest. Um, whether that was a, a quick three and out or a score or something. So we've heard that, that, um, you know, the way that Gary Patterson could have been tampering with Sonny Cumbie and his offense was more to protect the defense. Um, which I, I, I can see that happening. Um, the problem with, with this kind of thinking is like, okay, then that means we don't know what he can do as an offensive coordinator. Exactly. That's exactly the problem with the thinking is, is to assume that, well, he wasn't in charge and he wasn't actually calling the shots and he, well, what was he doing the last seven years? I think he was very involved with the offense. I'm not discounting that. I'm not saying that he was just eye candy on the sidelines that, or just a recruiter. You know, I'm not belittling what he did, but I think a lot of people are and they don't realize they're doing it. They're such a fan of the hire and they want him here so bad that they're pretending like his last seven years were just him just kind of as an intern somewhere, <laughs> never really getting the chance to really shine. No, the dude was running offenses. He was calling plays. He wasn't calling plays every year, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But it, 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 he was responsible for what you saw on the field. And if what you saw on the field was what you want to see here, then fine. And if it wasn't, then there's still room for him to change. There's still room for him to tweak things. And he may have that ability if there was a head coach present saying, dude, you can't go three and out in 37 seconds. We can't, we can't handle it. You can't do that. Yeah. You can't, you can't score. (laughs) You can't score in a minute and a half drive. That's not the goal here. We're just, we're just trying to eat a little clock. So one piece of sunshine that I'll, I'll try to, to, to sunshine. That's pretty good. How do you spell that? To pump your way. Not it's S U N. Okay. Let's, let's, oh, okay. let's be real here. Um, is that apparently supposedly Sonny Cumbie is, is a very creative play designer. Um, that, that there've been some highlights that have shown there's ways that he has attacked defenses. Um, I, I feel I've been lacking at Texas tech for the past two seasons. Um, and then specifically, I, I, I think one play that a lot of people attribute to K- Cliff Kingsbury actually started off as a Sonny Cumbie play. And in this, uh, Mikey car care bowl, um, they ran it. It was not successful because, uh, Jakeem Grant tripped in the backfield, but that was the first time we saw the little people, big world play that got a lot of attention and fame when Kingsbury called it in Austin where Jakeem Grant returned, like ran that play for like a 40 yard touchdown to go up two scores late in that game. The first time it came out, Sonny Cumbie called it first. That completely. I didn't even realize that. I had no idea. Today. I had no idea about that. And that does and make me, that's one good example to make me rethinking things. And, and like, <laughs> like you said, I'm, I may be okay. August, August was where I predicted I'd be fully on board. You know, we, we may be talking closer to June, July now, you know, yeah. we're, we're kind of, we're kind of getting closer to that. I know it's going to happen guys. Don't worry about it. It's going to happen. 
Um, I will be on board. But yeah, the yeah. Little People Big World was a huge play. And I just had always assumed that Kingsbury was the one who came up with it. Now, it looked a little differently in, in the bowl game. The offensive sure, linemen but, didn't get like totally in, into their sets. So w- what you saw from, from Kingsbury in Austin, I think, was a refined version of it. Because Kingsbury was there at the bowl game. He saw him run that play. It was like, let's keep that. Let's make it better and run it again later. Um, and I, I think a lot of people forget that we tried that because it wasn't successful. It was, it was, inter- sure. yeah, you don't forget the failure or, or you'd forget the failure yeah. easier sometimes. It, it was run inside the five. So it, like there was, wasn't very far for, for the, the team to go. There weren't, weren't a whole lot of yards to pick up. Um, and like I said, there was enough pushback on the offensive line that it tripped up Grant in the backfield um, and we saw that in the game in Austin where he had to make a, a pretty big sweep and arc in the backfield to get around somebody else. Um, very similar thing happened in the bowl game, but he just got tripped up. Uh, and, and, uh, supposedly some of that creativity was, was also hampered in Fort Worth. So um, stats really, really quickly, just because I, I think this is where Michael and I kind of started off our, our hesitation uh, and, and jumping yes. fully on board. Um, and, and maybe this will help some, some of our listeners understand why we were so negative to start off with, um, in terms of points per game, passing yards, rushing yards, total offense, um, we'll do points per game first. Texas tech has, uh, led TCU in points per game every year since 2016. Texas Tech has led TCU in passing yards uh, against Big 12 defenses. These are all against Big 12 defenses. Uh, Texas Tech has led TCU in passing yards in that same period, 2016 through 2020. Um, the comparison, the chart we have goes all the way back to 2014 to Cumbie's first year at TCU. TCU has led um, Texas Tech every year in rushing. Um, in total offense, though, it, it goes back to the same story with points and passing. Um, total offense is not like a great indicator because it's just yards and we realize. Um, yeah, yards don't necessarily equal points. We know that all too well. <laughs> yeah, because Texas Tech was third in the Big 12 in, in total offense this year and won four games. Sure. But Texas Tech led TCU in total offense 2016 through 2020. Now, the other um, meaningful stats that I want to look at were third down conversion percentages and red zone success rates. Now, with those, it's not as clear like as with the points passing and total offense. Um, in terms of third down conversion, um, it's been, well, post Kingsbury, it's gone back and forth. Um, there were a couple of years there where Kingsbury was post Mahomes. Oh, yeah, let's okay. be fair. <laughs> post Mahomes. Post Mahomes. Um, because Mahomes and Kingsbury were leading the country by a wide margin in third down conversion percentage. Um, 2015, 2016, close to 52% uh, conversion percentage there. Whereas other years, we're talking about low 40s, upper 30s. Um, but those have gone back and forth. Most recently, 2020, Texas Tech led 39.9%, TCU's 35. Uh, 2019, though, it was the other way around. TCU had almost a 
point advantage in terms of third down conversion percentage. Uh, flip back, you know, the other way around 2018. Uh, I just think Kingsbury was really good at, at, at third down offense. Uh, his lowest third down offensive year was uh, 2014. And still, that was n- nearly 44%. Um, yeah, that's the lowest year on this chart, at least. You know, yeah. that this doesn't include 13. Who knows? 13 might have been a little... Yeah, a little better or worse, no telling. But, but yeah, that's it's one of those stats that it, it jumps out at you. You know, Mahomes, of course, was a, a definite reason why Tech was almost fifty-two percent on third downs in Big Twelve play on fifteen and sixteen. But that one definitely goes back and forth. And then the yep. next one you're looking at is a little bit surprising to me. So I I mislabeled one of these years uh, in, in favor of Texas Tech. I was just realizing, but we're talking about red zone percentage. Uh, TCU uh, has led Texas Tech in red zone percentage uh, success rate. So this is possessions in the red zone where, where you score points. TCU led 2014, 2017, 2019, and 2020. Um, whereas Texas Tech led 15, 16, 18. Yeah, kind of sort of even-handed. Uh, you know, the last two years... TCU has been really outstanding in the red zone uh, this year, 84% to tech 75. And then last year, even when tech was 88% in the red zone, which T- sounds really good. TCU was, TCU 94. was 94. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now the lowest year they've had on this was 76%. So just barely better than what you Texas tech did this year, which we can all agree was not good. Um, but they, they, they've ranged between the 76, which is their lowest, to 80, 80, um, 86, 85, 89, 94. Yeah. Th- there was one last stat I kind of wanted to touch on. I just randomly looked up today. Going back into how much Patterson may have dictated the pace of the offense, I thought, well, the only way I really know to look at that is time of possession. Mm-hmm. And Tech was in the in the hundreds, you know, 115th or so in time of possession with 27 minutes. TCU was right in the middle, 61 or so, I believe is what it was, with 30 minutes time of possession. Now, three minutes doesn't seem like a lot to me, but maybe it is. Maybe that maybe there's just no real way to quantify what we've seen a lot of people post and say and and talk about the state of the, the offense and the hierarchy of, of how things were run in Fort Worth. But maybe that's something to look at, uh, you know, that plus the red zone percentage, the fact that they, if they held onto the ball that, you know, three minutes longer per game than tech and then had a 10% or so better chance of scoring in the red zone each time, then they're maybe getting more out of each of their drives even though their drives are taking longer. I, I I just can't, I can't figure it out. I was trying to put some, instead of just rumor and people saying, well, this is what's been happening. Um, just trying to put some numbers to it and try to visibly show that, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense that the offense has been hampered a little bit, but yeah, time will tell time will tell. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. So statistically, um, we knew that when David Yost was coming in, like he had the the resume that was that was impressive. There, there were no issues on there. There was no red flags or concerns. Um, the 
the higher of Cumbie, like there, there's, there's nothing clear about this statistically that says, oh yeah, he, he's going to come and make a, you know, a significant difference an improvement. Now, not saying that we're not going to root for him. Obviously he's, he's a Texas tech coach. Now we like, we obviously want him to do well. Uh, he's a former player for tech. He's a red Raider. Um, we're, we're not rooting for him to not be successful. We're, we're talking about like when, when we, when we were voicing our displeasure, it was, I feel like there were more, um, qualified candidates out there that Wells could have possibly hired. Well, and I'm not even sure. I, I never really made a list because it does, it didn't matter what my list was going to be. <laughs> no, one's going to read it. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the whole thing was this, this didn't seem like it seemed like, it seems like a forced hire to me a little bit, maybe a PR I'm, hire, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm not giving Wells enough benefit of the doubt to feel that he went to his, you know, went to his staff and went to his people and, and, immediately thought on his own that, well, I need to talk to Sonny Cumbie and see if he's interested. Maybe that's what happened. Uh, supposedly he's the one who told Hoka he wanted to fire Yost. And if that's what happened, then maybe he had Cumbie in mind. I, there's no telling, but it's just, it, it could go either way. It wouldn't surprise me either way. I think even if he kind of felt like he had to do that or that it would buy him some favor, I think it was really smart whoever came up with that idea, it's going to be smart until it backfires on him when tech has a bad year, but the offense was pretty good. That's all it's going to take. So, all right. Like I said, we, uh, we will be on board more on board with this, uh, going forward. I I think if we can get spring football and we can see, uh, the offensive install, um, that's going to go a long way. Uh, watching the press conferences has has helped me, (laughs) to catch the vision, catch the fire a little bit better. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in a much more agreeable position 24 hours later after the announcement. Um, and n- nothing really has changed except just kind of been like, yeah, well it, it makes sense. Um, it's done now. <laughs> yeah, it's done. That's the other part of it. Well, okay, here, here, here we are. Let's, let's live with it and let's, move on and and come up with some reasons why we think it'll work yeah all right so speaking of moving on let's uh let's dive into some basketball here comes stevenson spins Tie it at the line. 
right. So oh, there you go. With, all right, man. <laughs> hey, it's your calling card. It's a drinking game. It's going to turn out to be Texas tech played uh, two games this past week, uh, Kansas last Thursday, the 17th. And then tonight versus Oklahoma, they split those two games losing to Kansas by one at home and then defeating Oklahoma on the road tonight by two. Both games, I, I, I was thinking about this earlier, both games had some like very similar um, circumstances or runs to them where it felt like Thursday night versus Kansas, you had, you know, you, you felt like you were doing good. You, you strung together some some productive offensive series, not series, but possessions. Uh, you went on runs, but you never really, you never got like a, a significant lead. Uh, you were able to close a gap a little bit against Kansas, but it wasn't like the game was never like out of hand. Um, but these big runs that you felt like you, you're doing pretty good. Like you look down, it's like, we're, we're, we haven't even caught them yet. Or we're only ahead by three. Like <laughs> it felt like, yeah, like there's a lot of energy expended um, and momentum built up for not very much difference on the score. Um, you know, the score did a difference very much. Um, and tonight it, it kind of felt the same way for Oklahoma. Like they, they, they kept, uh, going on, on these little runs, um, that it stopped Texas tech for, you know, a few possessions. And then you look down and they would have closed like an eight point lead down to like a, a three or two point lead. Um, and like a lot of good teams coming off of like a run, Texas tech was able to like almost immediately rebuild that lead and kind of hold, you know, maintain it for another few minutes. Yeah, there were a lot of 7-0 runs, you know, 8-0, 6-0, you know, th those type of things that, like you said, they never were able to build a comfortable lead. Uh, you know, I mean, th this game was tied eight times. That uh, You know, that was just the Kansas game. Um, and then I think tonight it was tied. It was actually never tied tonight. That's crazy. But it was it was close a lot. Yeah. I think I think Tech held the entire time. Well, but so it just never felt that way. Yeah. Oklahoma had a four, two lead early, 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 obviously in the, in the game. Um, and then never gave it back. Like they, they, they retired a few times. Um, with, with Kansas, like, like you said, they went back and forth. Um, you just, you, you shot a lot of shots. Uh, you put up 62 field goal attempts, uh, only connecting on 20. You shot, 26% from the field. Uh, sorry, you're, you're 26% from three, 32% from the field. Uh, you're six of 23. And then you only hit 61% of your free throws. So had you yeah. improved on any one of those or had Kyler Edwards made a bucket, <laughs> this, this, this game would have been different. Edwards went 0 for 9. In the yeah, game against and Kansas. I, huge reason why he didn't start tonight. Uh, you know, Burton started at, at OU and he brought the ball down probably mm -hmm. about half the time as well. Very kind of an interesting, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I was hoping to see McCuller. And if, for those who watched the game, you know that McCuller traveled probably, but he did not play, of course. But He, he warmed but, up, but he did not yeah. play. But yeah, I mean, you're totally right. Kansas... You had two starters go over, you know, Santos Silva, who went over two, just was barely effective at all 
versus Kansas five rebounds. I mean, that was, that was kind of the main thing he was able to, to put Edwards, as you mentioned, Oh, for nine, including Oh, for five from three, uh, just, just not doing anything to help uh, against Kansas. But tonight, Santos Silva's my gosh, 18 points, nine of 13. He was six of seven at one point from the mm-hmm. field, seven rebounds, even through an assist, just for good measure. Why not? And and that was before I and mean, a steal out and a steal. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Excuse me. Your, your, two. your two leading scores in the night, uh, TJ Shannon and Marco Santos Silva, both fouled out. Um, Shannon had 21 points tonight going with his 20 points from the game against Kansas. Uh, really loving to see how, how effective he's been on the offensive side. Uh, McClung seems like he's got his shot back. Uh, 21 points versus Kansas, 16 tonight versus Oklahoma. Um, yeah, Micah the, the Peavy. only thing with McClung was he was cold the second half. Versus oh my Kansas. gosh, he was so cold. Like he, it, well, and 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 the second half versus uh, Oklahoma, or at least like the first little bit of Oklahoma, the second half. Um, right there, close to the end, last couple minutes, it seemed like he's able to, to pick it pick it back up and, and have a couple shots fall. But there were stretches there in the second half where like he had great looks at three. He had, you know, he was able to make a move, uh, and get a good looking jump shot off, uh, drive and whatever. Just nothing was falling for him. Um, you know, he went five of 14 from the field tonight, Oh, for four from three, but he was perfect at the free throw line. Six of six, uh, four assists. There are only two turnovers, a block. Um, yeah, he, he was two for nine in the second half tonight. He was one for seven in the second half. Uh, against Kansas. So his, his second half game did not go well, but those two for nine tonight were huge. He, he scored six points in 30 seconds. Yeah. He, he had two free throws. He had that amazing, uh, you know, that amazing drive to the basket. <laughs> he's triple teamed. Oop de oop where he's midair and he <laughs> changes hands and somehow throws it off the glass with his left handed, a real, Tony Parker looking deal, uh, except he probably jumped higher than Tony Parker. <laughs> um, but it was, I mean, incredibly impressive. They did two, two more free throws to, to finish it off. So yeah, he, he legit had six points in the last 30 seconds of, of tonight's game and tech would have lost without him for sure. But he, he was cold up until then, uh, you know, that last minute or so he really, he really picked it back up. Yeah. Is he, you, you still shot a bunch of shots. Now you took 57 uh, field goal attempts, uh, but I felt much better about the shot selection. Granted that goes uh, with, with playing Oklahoma. They're, they're a much stronger offensive team. Than oh yeah. Defensive team. So you, you got, you got some good looks. Uh, you hit 49% of your, your, your field goals. Um, only, only 29% from three, but you, you got to the line a lot. You got 14. Sorry. You got 10 free throws. Uh, but you hit nine of them. So you're 90% there. Oklahoma, though, it feels like um, with all the whining that Jay Billis did last week, got a ton of calls uh, where they were able to get to the free throw line 27 times, hit 17, um, good for 63%. But watching that game last week, (laughs) I could not stand Jay Billis. Um, (laughs) First, well, he was was it the charges? It was the charge block thing, and 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 basically, it sparked another conversation on Twitter between a bunch of other people that don't watch Texas Tech basketball. Uh, it seems like they don't watch a lot of college basketball. So this is ruining the game. You're 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 rewarding players that aren't trying to play defense. Like, 
you have a problem with the way the rules are written, you should take it up with the rules committee, not with Texas Tech playing defense, how the rules are written. Um, but one, he complained about where they were broadcasting the game from. Granted, I know most broadcast teams are on the sideline there on the court level. Uh, with social distancing protocols and everything, they moved the broadcast up to like the, one of the corner decks. Yeah. So like they're, it's not a bad spot to be in, but like, like right off the bat, it's he hard said, to see. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. And then they, they have all the, they have the screens, they have the screens yeah. like as if they're watching the game any other way. But right off the bat, he's like, I've never called a game from so far away. It's like, we could have left you in, in could have left you in Connecticut. Really? You could have just called the game from back there. Well, there was, there was one thing he, he did mention that even Bill Walton's never been this high. And that did make me laugh. <laughs> Idiot. Um, <laughs> and then like, he would not stop whining about the block charge calls. Um, he, he thought every one of them was wrong, uh, whichever way it went. Um, you know, if, if Texas tech was not in the, the 20 year old, uh, charge block rule book where like their feet were completely set for five seconds and got blown, blown away by the defender. Well, th th that's a block then. It's like, no, that's not, that's not how the rules are written. And, and, and then basically that, that conversation kind of spilled over into Twitter later uh, where a bunch of people were complaining about the, the help side defense rolling over, taking the charge. It's like, that's, that's just, that's just bad defense. It's like, you got a problem with that. Like that. That's, that's Texas tech playing by the rules. Like you should take it up with somebody that has control over the rules. Well, and, and I get it to an extent because even though tech does it and it works out in tech's favor, we've talked about it, that the fact that they do it so often and so well, I think they get the benefit of the doubt now where they wouldn't have in years past. I still don't like it. I think it's, I think it's silly that a guy can just run from the arc down just directly in front of the circle because a guy's driving and then sort of half-ass stop and then get knocked over and then uh, get to shoot free throws if they're in a bonus or something. I, it just, it's silly. But like you said, it's the rule. Beard is obviously taking, and Adams is obviously taking advantage of the rule. I don't care for the rule. I wouldn't mind if they changed it because <laughs> it's kind of crappy to watch. <laughs> it's It's kind of rough to watch sometimes, even when it's your team. And it's, it's one of those iffy charges. Now, if it's like a complete straight up, okay, there's a guy standing down there. He could, he, he could have a mailing address. He's been down there so long and some guy just plows through bull rushes into the lane and knocks him down. Okay. Gotcha. But the guy that's, that's running from the opposite baseline to just jump stop in front of somebody and then put their hands over their crotch and, <laughs> and, and, and hope to God they survive, you know, that, Okay, that's that's kind of squirrely. I don't care for that. Okay, Jay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the rule. I, at least I know where I'm. You know, the, the refs get caught up in it. I don't blame them that much, and I do appreciate the fact that Tech gets the benefit of the doubt. But the, the rule is not is not great. It's not great that that that's just. Oh, okay, that's a charge. This guy, so, this guy, this is just some kid. Some kid with a water bottle ran off, ran out of the stands and <laughs> jumped in front of somebody. And now there's a charge. One of the, the comments on Twitter was actually that they were blaming the actual mechanics of the call as to why referees like making the call so much. They, they <laughs> like making that punch call. 
<laughs> and the, and the t- slap in the back of their slap head. Slap in the back of the head and the punch. <laughs> um, but like you also see very demonstrative like blocks uh, though. They gesture. love, they love blocks, to like dude. slam their their fists on their, their hip and like that's a block. The blocks can almost turn into a suck it if you've got a guy who's a little bit over eager. He's got a little bit of they, a little arch in the back you, and bam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could you could just kind of pelvic thrust that block and just really set the tone. But I, I, that, there's something to that, you know. Maybe they enjoy calling the charge because then they also get to move that direction too. The ball's going this way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so Texas Tech moves to seven and two or six, six and two on the season, um, defeating Oklahoma tonight. Uh, upcoming schedule. You've got another gimme, uh, <laughs> not non-conference game. And I think then you start, uh, your full, uh, conference slate. You do have one more game against non-conference opponent and LSU a little bit later for one of those big 12 sec challenges, but we'll get to that in just a second. Michael, did you know what that support for the 23 personal podcast comes from manscaped? I've heard of this manscaped is the best and men's below the waist grooming offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. Yeah, we live in a world where Santa cares about your grooming hygiene habits. Here we are. If you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in the new year. Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with a perfect package 3.0 that has all the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. That's how I refer to them as my best friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The third generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow up you need. <laughs> That's what we need, Michael. We need a light for the glow up. I mean, depending on where you're operating, light is essential. It's also time to freshen up down there this new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. 2020 was awful, so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for the new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear you will ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, manscaped.com when you use the promo code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. Dude. Bro. Yep. The wait is finally over. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Football. Football. Did you know this? Did you know this? Football is in full effect with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not look... That's a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Those are Bet Online. <laughs> very seamless transition from Russian to Irish to American, back to Russian. It, you, you know, this reminds me of Sean, Sean Connery, Connery. <laughs> and, and uh, 
Uh, just his 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 vast range here. Well, because he's a you know a brilliant Russian sub commander. Yeah, he's going to defect. Uh, gives you rest in Bet peace. Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today. Use promo code Armchair to take advantages of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so Ken Pomp, oh, dang it. All right, all so. Right. All right, so that's cool. It's fine. Do you do you, do you ever watch How, How I Met Your Mother? Yes. So I don't know if you remember, there was a, a drinking game that some college kids made up to Robin, who was the the reporter, the news anchor, when she would say "but um." That's right. Yes, I that's do. What I, that. That's what I feel like. We, we could just have a little Easter egg drinking game when I say "all right, so." <laughs> Ken Palm uh, before tonight's game. <laughs> Had Texas Tech at the as the tenth best team previously at number eight, so a small drop after the game versus Kansas. Remember that was a projected win uh, by a point. No, it was a five point projection win. You ended up losing that game by by one. Haslam Metrics has Tech at eight previously number five. Baylor moves up to number one. Um, Kansas up to thirteen. We mentioned a little bit a little while ago that. Upcoming schedule, you've got Incarnate Word, who, as Ken Palm has rated as the 345th best team in the country. Texas Tech at 10. It doesn't doesn't get better. No. Uh, Well, I mean, a little bit better. Offense, 333rd to Texas Tech's 55th. Um, Defense, though, 351st to Texas Tech's Number one defense. That number hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. It, I don't know if it would change after tonight because OU's offense is very good, but who knows? It might change a little bit. You held them to 67 points. Uh, tempo, just a little bit better. So they're not they're not a team that's going to run on you. Um, they're just not good offense or defense. Haslametrics has this game projected as a 31-point win. This is one of, if not the largest point spreads we've seen this year. Um, and then you've got January 2nd, Saturday, uh, a week from this upcoming Saturday, home versus Oklahoma State. Um, basically on the back of Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State is the 45th-ranked team in the country, uh, 62nd-ranked offense, 27th ranked defense uh their tempo they do move quite a bit more than texas tech does the 30 a lot more yeah 33rd uh in terms of adjusted tempo to texas tech's 334th so they're going to get open shots or they're going to create shots uh and and do so quickly whereas texas tech likes to move the ball around take some time off the clock mm-hmm. um having said that though has the metrics has this as an 11 almost Nearly a 12-point win for Texas Tech at home versus the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, I've, I feel pretty good about the next two games. I'm not being, <laughs> I mean, obviously incarnate word. But Oklahoma State, I don't want to take advantage and just think that uh, Tech's going to handle this no problem. Every game in the Big 12 is going to be a bit of a battle in one way or another. Uh, but I do like Tech's chances there. As you mentioned, Cunningham's really kind of all that Oklahoma state has right now, at mm-hmm. least consistently. And, you know, tech 
has shown that they will be able to shut down uh, these offenses. And this Oklahoma State coming in with a number 62 offense on Kim Palm is not, it's not crazy good, but Texas is only 55th. So it's, it's, it's a very comparable offense to what Tech has, at least in production. And uh, the, it's, it's could wind up being a pretty close game, but I feel good about going two and zero over this next stretch. Yeah, I do too. Um, so going back to the, the Kansas game, I, I, I believe their, their offense was rated much better. Um, and you did a really good job of, of containing that the one guy and not, it shouldn't really be a surprise. The one guy that came, came, uh, came away impressed with was Ochai Agbaji, number 30 for wow, Kansas. Yes. Dude was, he was just smooth. Um, he was deadly. Like he didn't take a lot of shots. The shots he did take were, were they were good open looks. Um, scored like twenty four points, I believe, or something like that. Yeah, I, it was. I have this. No, you're you're dead on. He was twenty three, eight for eleven, including four for seven from three. Yeah, he had so a heck of a night. His three misses. Well, three of his four misses were from three. And then he missed one uh, free throw attempt. Uh, had five rebounds, uh, an assist, to one, one turnover, one block. So he played 34 minutes. So you got to see a lot of him, uh, but led the Jayhawks in scoring. Yeah. I mean, coming in, Jalen Wilson was the guy that I was most worried about, that he was their high scorer. He'd, you know, he'd kind of come out of nowhere. Tech completely neutralized him, but then... Baji ate our lunch. That's yeah. for sure. And it kind of happened again tonight. Not the same way by any means, but, uh, you know, Manic, he had two points tonight. I think he averaged 16 or 17 so far on the year. So Tech completely neutralized him. And that that's, you know, that's a big man. That's good news. Santos was taking care of some business down there. Yeah, I was like, it like held Manic in check enough to the point where like Fran Frischilla was like, he's got to be sick or something. Like he's just not playing very well at all. I was like, well, I mean, there's, there's probably, well, he wasn't, yeah. And they kept taking him out of the game too, but yeah, he was one for seven. He made, he made one field goal tonight and that was it. So, and then, you know, Reeves, Reeves had a pretty decent game, but still four for 14, only 13 points. I mean, that's kind of low for him. Um, but then you've got guys like Harmon who had 17. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I, there's always someone else. <laughs> I feel good about Tech's defense. Tech's defense's chances to slow down uh, Mr. Cade Cunningham in the game against Oklahoma State, but we've got a week and a half to prepare for that one. Um, you get a little bit of a break. You know, you don't play. It's going to be next year. This is, this is the time of this is the time of the year for my favorite dad joke. Yeah, um, you've, you've got a week until your next game versus Incarnate Word to get a break for Christmas, and then uh, you play on Saturday the second. Versus Oklahoma State. All right, let's uh, let's look into football for a few brief moments, and then we'll wrap this thing up. takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25-10. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis.
this work of freshman screen underneath Eric Moore breaks the tackle still off the sideline turns on the juice touchdown so Harrell in the shotgun from the 28 the throw goes to the right side for Crabtree it's caught he breaks oh he's going Harrison Red Raider all right so there dang it <laughs> it's, one, it's one of those things where like you don't realize how much you say um or just the speech fillers you have until you take like a speech class and you're like i will take one point off of your presentation every time you say um or uh or whatever so then like you're like listening to yourself Oh, it's terrible. I hate listening to myself. That's, that's, what, that's what's happening right now. Is like I, I want to be better about saying, all right, so. But I say it all the dang time. Last week was the first day of the early signing period. You had 10 commits and you signed nine of them. The nine you were expecting to sign, you signed them all. Sorry, 11 commits, you signed 10. The one guy you missed, you didn't sign was... Demico Rowland. He's the junior college defensive tackle from Hutchinson. Uh, knew that he was going to sign. Um, if he does with tech, if he does sign with Texas Tech, will not be until February. The other guys, all in high school, signed last week, including Baron Morton, who we said was taking some time. I initially thought that was a, a decommit. Ended up sending in his letter of intent to Texas tech before the Sunny company news broke. He is your, what do they say? The highest rated quarterback recruit at Texas tech ever. Yes, I believe so. Which has a lot of people anointing him. And I'm like, let's, 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 let's pump the brakes a little bit. Cause he's yeah, not let's on let him get yet. out of high school guys. <laughs> um, but they're like, man, I just can't wait to see Sonny Cumbie and Baron Morton is like, what about the four guys that are on campus that would be ahead of them? Like when, when, when he walks on campus, like he's still gonna have to compete with the four guys ahead of him. Like he's going to be QB five when he walks here, when he, when he, when he gets here. Yeah. And definitely. some people take offense to me suggesting that Barry Morton's not going to be the starting quarterback the day he walks on campus. Like, I'm sorry. I don't like starting true freshman quarterbacks. It kind of worked for a little bit for stretches with Baker Mayfield and Davis Webb both had also stretches of they're playing like true freshmen as good as both of them were, which is why they both played. Yeah. Um, if, if one of them was that good consistently, they wouldn't have both played off and on all year. And also both of those guys came from big schools and big divisions, big cities like that. They had major competition. Whereas Baron Moore's coming from a three, a, it doesn't diminish his talent and skills. No, just saying he has not, not what you're doing. He's not had to face the defenses that he will face. Um, so well, and it's, it's kind of unfair to put that on the kid. Right. Cause it, if he comes in as not, you know, starter, uh, August 30th or whatever it is on 2021, that's not necessarily an indication that he is not going to be a great quarterback. It's not. just that like, okay, so the true freshman, yes, he was here early in the spring, wasn't able to defeat the four guys ahead of him, 
it, it, it's fine. It's going to be okay. Just, it's fine. Just, I just, agree. Just don't expect. <laughs> we don't see him except in possibly some garbage time until 2022. Things are going to be fine. Or beyond. It's, it's or beyond. Be okay. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, He'll still, as long as he's still here. Yeah. Just I'm, I'm with you. It's not knocking Morton at all to suggest that he won't be the starting quarterback next year or possibly even the year after. With as much as we saw Sonny Cumbie like to run the quarterback, it's like, well, I, I know of two guys on campus now that are, are, are pretty good at that. Uh, Henry Columbia and Donovan Smith. Now, Donovan Smith. Well, Maverick McIver supposedly was, but well, I don't, I've never seen the man move, so I don't know. I haven't either. He's, he's been hurt since I've known him. So, yeah. Um, anyways, so you signed your, 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 the vast majority of your class. Uh, which includes four-star receiver Jaron Bradley, uh, the big-time running back Cameron Valdez out of Rockdale, which is the same place you got LaRaven Clark. Uh, and then you've got a couple of defensive linemen, uh, Amarian Banks. you got a couple all-world uh, all world team, sorry, all-world name team, Candidate. I don't, I'm messing this up. Jed Castles and Mason Tharp in terms of tight end names. They're up there. Got a couple offensive linemen, Jack Tucker, Jacoby Jackson. Uh, and then your defensive end, like I said, Amarian Banks and Charles Esters and Isaac Smith. The um, other roster updates is we're getting more and more word uh, from other players that are currently on the roster electing to come back for 2021, which only helps my enthusiasm and confidence for the defense next year to be that much better. Uh, Jacob Morgenstern announced today his intention to return in 2021. And it's big because he, he was, he flashed a lot last year. He didn't play. uh, He wasn't a full-time starter. He didn't, you know, he wasn't on the field the most in terms of linebacker snaps. But dang, like without him, you would have had some struggles. He he got better throughout the year. He joins Colin Schooler and Rico Jeffers as other linebackers that have already said they're coming back, senior linebackers. So you'll have fifth-year seniors uh, in your linebacker core. Um, they also join DeMarcus Fields and Eric Monroe as defensive backs who have already said they're coming back. So you're going to have a lot of seniority and experience on your defense. Um, you're still waiting to hear back from Zach McPherson. It's possible he could be high enough uh, projecting the draft that he would pursue that. Um, we did also hear officially that Travis Kuntz is planning to return for 2021. Um, and the players that we've heard that are out would be Eli Howard going pro. He accepted an invite to a one of those senior bowl games that, uh, basically signifies the end of your eligibility. Uh, TJ Vasher announced he's going to try to attempt to make it in the pros. Um, it's just then, really, I mean, I, I'm going to miss Howard. I understand why he's doing it. I, I think he, he did better this year and he was either sick or hurt the last few games. Uh, but I feel like he, he ended on a pretty high note. I, I just feel like I just feel that Vasher somehow and I don't know whose fault it was but his talent just never quite made it onto the field no one way or another you did and get, that's just a shame 
yeah, it, 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 he's one of those guys where you look at him and he he was able to to put up some really entertaining highlight c- catches. Um, but outside of that, like he just wasn't consistent. He wasn't even a consistent presence for you. He didn't play very much for you. So you just, you, you know, you wish him well that he's able to pull all that together to make a professional living from it. But you were able to secure commitments from two, uh, transfers. One of them is, a, is that actual grad transfer. One will be a, or is a sophomore. I, it's going to be hard to track eligibility this year <laughs> because of the, the waivers and all that kind of stuff. But you get safety Marquise waters from Duke six, one, 200 guy. He was, was a senior in 2020. Uh, but with the COVID exception, uh, eligibility exception, he will have one more year. Uh, last year he had 71 tackles, seven tackles for loss, seven passes broken up, a sack and an interception. And then you got cornerback Malik Dunlap from NC State. This is a big dude, 6'4", 220 as a corner. Now he he may not, may not play Ooh. corner at that size here. Um, here's here's one of those things. So in 2020, this past season, he was a redshirt sophomore. So I assume when he arrives at tech, he will still be a sophomore for 2021, which again, it's going to be difficult to kind of track that. The other thing that we heard this week, uh, kind of under the radar, at least for me or last week, at least that all D one transfers this, this upcoming year will have blanket eligibility waiver. Uh, and it looks like it's, it's basically assigned to the assigned to, to COVID reasons, but that the, the committees were saying that we're, we're trying to do the best thing possible for the student athletes that they're going to have, you know, if they're going to pursue a transfer, you know, for, for their well-being, um, that we're not going to penalize them a year of eligibility. So you're going to, you're probably see a lot of transfers this year because there's not going to be any kind of penalty. Um, you have guys are going to be able to get in there, get to their new schools and be able to participate, uh, and compete immediately. That's interesting. I I appreciate the fact that it's the NCAA is trying a little bit. They're adjusting. I think they even did something similar with basketball just recently where every single transfer became eligible, I think, last week. Something like that. Yeah. So it's it's good to see that they're at least trying. So there are um, some remaining spots left on the roster for Matt Wells to fill. Our man Rob Bro put together a, a transfer wish list. Now, one of these guys is already off the board. Quarterback Tanner Mordecai from Oklahoma announced his commitment to SMU today. But he's got two more quarterbacks, Grant Tisdale from Ole Miss, Bailey Zappi from Houston Baptist, and then Matt Wells confirmed they're still looking for help along the offensive line. Bro's got four offensive linemen here that I would just love to pick up. Zach Carpenter from Michigan, Jay Williams from Florida State, Quazel White from TCU, Marcus Miner from Maryland. All played significant time. And then he's got two defensive tackles, Natori Johnson from Georgia, Val Martin from NC State, and then another defender from Duke, Brandon Hill linebacker. Um, which you've got that connection with Brandon Jones on your staff now who's helped you get now a couple of Duke defenders. 
I will take well, any and you, all those you've guys. Got a, you've got a connection to Quazel White at TCU now. As yeah, well. you do. <laughs> there's a there's a slight chance. So Wells has stated he he wants to get old um, in terms of age on the roster. He wants to bring in experience and depth, um, and we can do that by targeting grad transfers. Uh, the biggest thing here is you don't even have to be a graduate to get that immediate immediate eligibility. Um, you just got to find somebody that's looking for a new opportunity. But those are, are, are some of the ones that are on the board as possibilities. Uh, to wrap it up, though, we did hear, I guess, officially, I don't know if, we, if it was official yet last time, but Texas Tech will not accept a bull bid. Rumor has it that that may have something to do with um, our man, Alan Bowman, not being with the team right now. Uh, there have been lots of rumors and wherever that states has not been confirmed or anything, but that Bowman has been rumored to be uh, at least toying with the idea of transferring out from Texas tech, but without a starting quarterback or the main starting quarterback on your team, it's going to be hard to take on like, Hey, we'll play another game. Um, any thoughts on not playing a bowl game this year, Michael? Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit. It's, uh, I mean, it kind of pains me to see a two and seven Mississippi State team going to a bowl and Tech's not. But whatever. I'd, sure, extra practices would help. But what are we going to learn now that we didn't know before? At least for right this second. And what's come be? What would he be able to do? Calling plays right now. Uh, you know, with this situation, I think it, it probably would have benefited tech in some ways, but I don't think we'll look back in October next year and go, boy, if only tech had played that bowl game. Yeah. Um, so we did get the, uh, the college football playoff finalized. Unsurprisingly, we are going to have Alabama at number one, Clemson, number two, Ohio State number three, Notre Dame number four. Poor, poor Aggies. First team left yeah. out at number five. Ooh. Did did you watch the the championship games over the weekend? Um, a little bit. the The only one I caught the most of was the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah, so Oklahoma looked a whole lot better than they, they did uh, second time around versus Iowa State than they did the first time. And they Brock made, Purdy looked like Brock Purdy. They they made Brock Purdy uh, look human again, uh, forced him in a couple of turnovers. One of them, I have a hard time blaming on him because there was some confusion on what play they wanted to call, uh, and they were running a bunch of clock out there. So they had to scramble the team out there, and so there was a little bit of you know anxiety and running around even before the play started. But then he threw up this pass. That was like from the time he let it go, you're like, that's not good. Oh, I know. Yes. I, <laughs> it was, it was last... just a wounded duck sailing 30, 35, 40, 50 feet in the air. You're like, <laughs> just that's just a rainbow arc bait to be intercepted. And it was. Yeah, it was. Um, Oklahoma did not pick up enough ground to make it into the playoffs. There were a lot of people saying, uh, you know, with. Notre Dame losing to Clemson the way they did in their championship game. They, they should have fallen into the rankings far enough to let uh, A&M in. I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I'm also laughing that yeah. A&M didn't make it in. I don't, I don't disagree with it either. I, I, 
just objectively looking at it, I think A&M should have been in. I think Notre Dame had their chance and didn't capitalize on it. And the only way they could beat Clemson was without Clemson's starting QB, who I completely blanked on, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah, so now there's a chance that we might get to see these awesome two teams play for a third freaking time this year. Um, and I'm kind of rooting for it because I think that's going to make everyone so mad. And I'm, I'm on board with it. I, it's, I'm rooting for Clemson and Notre Dame. It's like that, like one of the very final uh, BCS national championships where you got LSU and Alabama that play like three times a year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I put this on Twitter and I, of course, I, I don't think I was succinct enough or no, I was too succinct, but I said something like, you know, it's going to be nice to, to someday have a rooting interest into who makes the college football playoffs. But until then I just don't care. And I really don't, I mean that. And I don't mean that in like a sarcastic jerk sort of way, but it's going to be interesting and I'm going to watch it no matter what, whoever these four teams are, it's, it's going to be interesting but uh, I just don't care who they are because my team is not going to be in it. And for, you know, you know, knock on wood for at least a little while. But I do just enjoy how they're picked, why they're picked, why people, why teams aren't picked, the justification, just the silliness of it. The fact that Notre Dame is still in it it's just hilarious to me. All of it's hilarious to me. Ohio state's in it. Having played what three games, I don't even know <laughs> three games against a team with a pulse. Um, and, and they're in it. Sure. Why not? The, the whole big argument was if A&M gets in it, they'll get their tail kicked and same with Cincinnati and same with coastal and everybody. And it's kind of, well, maybe, but so is Notre Dame. We talked about that last week. They've just gotten blitzed. They, they got the their playoff. Tail, they got their tail kick last week, this past weekend. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, not even a week removed. So it's just interesting to me. It's, it's frustrating as, as a fan a little bit, just because you can kind of predict exactly what's going to happen. But I don't lose any sleep on who makes the playoffs until, until tech goes, you know, 12 and one, one year that having lost the big 12 championship game that they didn't need to try to win. And then they get squeaked out because Clemson played a really tough schedule and also went 12 and one. Yeah. I, I, I do enjoy looking back and seeing how they went from the, you know, college football went from like having the subjective, uh, human voters deciding all this kind of stuff to BCS is supposed to be very clinical, very, very clean, scientific, mm-hmm. use the computers and all that kind of stuff to back to a bunch of people that really have no idea what they're doing. Like we're talking about university presidents <laughs> that vote in this thing. Like I don't want like Lawrence Skuvenex of the world voting on who should be playing in the playoff. Like this is why you hey, he's get, a math major. He's a math major. I would definitely take scuba. Well, okay. But like anybody. the point is like you're getting university presidents that the reason why you see Notre Dame up there again. So yes, you've got Alabama, Notre Dame uh, on Friday, January 1st, 4 PM central in Jerry world. And then Clemson, Ohio state, which I think will be a much better game than the first game that night in Nolan's. Knowledge. Yeah, so it's pretty much the same four teams everybody had picked, just in a different order. Yeah, I'm 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 okay with that. It's because fine. It's what it's what it is. I'm still going to watch it. I'm going to really hope for Clemson Notre Dame. 
That <laughs> just would just be the icing on top of 2020. Let's have these two teams play each other again. Why not? Let's just let's just do that. I'm I'm, I'm pulling for Alabama Ohio State. All right. Yeah. I don't want Ohio State to win. Okay, let's wrap this up and get to what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. Last week, we talked about leftovers. And yes, we, did. we had some people chime in saying that we needed to use the air fryer to reheat pizza leftovers. And I, I ended the show saying, I'm, I'm going to have pizza this week so I can, I can try this. We, we made pizza Friday night. Really good. No, Saturday. I made pizza for lunch on Saturday, and then I reheated it for lunch on Sunday. Use the air fryer. So in terms of toppings, heat, cheese meltiness, you, you, you can achieve the same thing in the microwave or in the oven. Like that's not the game changer for the air fryer. It's the crust. Yes. So when I reheated the pizza in the air fryer, I, I did a little experiment. and had a piece in the microwave, piece in the air fryer. The piece out of the microwave, it was warm. The crust was soft. Whereas the yeah, piece of good. the crust that came out of the air fryer was crispy, had a bite to it. It's like, oh man. So if you have an air fryer, next time you have pizza, you use that to warm it up. Your, your leftovers. It's the, it's the way to go. And it's, it's so fast. It's okay. It's not as fast as a microwave, but microwave produces chewy and not the good chewy. No, not the, not the good kind of chewy you want. You don't really want so, chewy pizza. Yeah. You, I mean, it's faster than a toaster oven. It's faster than a regular oven because the regular oven takes forever to heat up less degree of error for the skillet method, which I have used a few times, but I gave up, but the air fryer. Yeah. That was one of the things I missed the most about not having one any, anymore is heating up pizza. It's divine. Yeah. So Michael, I heard you had some success in finally purchasing an Xbox. I did. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. Uh, yesterday it was monday morning i'd been reading over the weekend that target was going to have xboxes in stock they weren't announcing when it was going to happen but sometime over the next week and so here and there i would check my target app because i've, I've got the target app of course you do. and and uh i would just check it here and there and just think oh well i guess it's not now and i'd check twitter oh, it's not now but anyway it, it kind of became my random routine when i woke up in the morning so about 6.30, I woke up yesterday morning and checked my phone and the Target near my house didn't have any, but they said there's another Target nearby that does. There were six in stock Ooh. and I bought it that second as fast as I possibly could. And I went and picked it up later that day and, and the, the guy who brought it to me, he, he was uh, incredulous like, dude, how did you land one? How did you get this? And I told him the same story I told you, basically a, a shorter version of it. I hope, poor kid. He may have heard me talk for longer than I thought he did. But anyway, he um, he said, well, I, I said, really, it was just kind of luck of the draw. I looked at my phone and and got it. And he said, well, that was kind of the same thing with me and my PS5. And I immediately felt better because I was going to feel, I already felt shame slightly. <laughs> Why? That there's Well, that, that there's some like, 10 or 11 year old kid who had their heart set on an Xbox series X for, for Christmas. Christmas. And you're like, no, this is mine. <laughs> and I haven't even mine. taken mine out of my box yet and plugged it in because I was so what? tired yesterday. <laughs> 
that I would have been I like had a time today since I got home from work and the tech game and all that. So yeah, I haven't even messed with it, but I would have called into work on Monday. Like I, I'm not feeling up today, boss. I'm so sorry. I'll be tomorrow. <laughs> There's well, that's the thing. I was off yesterday, but it's because we did, we celebrated, uh, our little one's birthday all day yesterday. So I was off for that, but uh, okay. Yeah. You're, you're playing the good. So I wasn't going to be like, Oh, Hey, Hey, my sweet little four-year-old. Why don't you, um, <laughs> thanks for being born. Go play out in the street for a while. I need <laughs> to plug. Daddy needs to plug in his Xbox. <laughs> Daddy needs to play his, his new, his new game box. Daddy, daddy's got to see what Madden looks like in 4k. But anyway, yeah, that's, that was pretty crazy. That was fun. So uh, now with that, I do believe that you are interested in getting into the Xbox world yourself because I have one that I, I'm willing to, to let go of. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going to be buying Michael's old Xbox off of him. Um, not that I'm a, I'm an Xbox connoisseur. Like this is what I want to get into a whole bunch, but, um, I, I had an Xbox growing up through high school, the, the, the original, um, we had a 360 for a little while. And then when my brother and I kind of split ways and I went to school and he went to work and all that kind of stuff, he ended up taking it. Um, I, there's just some games I want to play again. Like I, I, I did see like, there's a, there's a collection of Halo games. It's like just the nostalgia piece is like, I, I want to go play Halo again. Um, sure. And also, like, there are some games on there that that uh, my six year old son can play with his cousins who also have Xboxes. So there's there's already some Xbox in the family. Um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna buy it and and, and do some like not heavy like gaming intensive stuff like farm sim with a you know eighteen hundred mods or whatever. But you know. Maybe some Minecraft or some yeah, it's, it's Minecraft, Fortnite Roblox, or, Fortnite, and then these these Halo games probably like the, the extent of that I'll, I'll ever play on this the system. Um, the problem is being so far removed from Xbox for so long. Like I, I, I was looking back and it was like, well, I can buy digital versions of the game, which makes sense that there, so many games are digital versions and you don't have to have the discs. Um, and it's cheaper that way because they don't have to produce anything and they can also kind of limit the license, like where this game can be played, all that kind of stuff. It makes sense. But I was like, okay, so the the Halo games, for example, are available on Game Pass. I was like, do I have to, ha like, it's another subscription service. Like, do I have to have the subscription service to then have access to buy the game? It's like, no. To buy it, no. <laughs> but but I the game is included in Game Pass. So if I subscribe to Game Pass, I can play all those games and a whole bunch more they have available. Um then we're like, that's on their subscription service I have, to, I have to buy, or I can just buy these games outright. Um, so I'm trying to figure that out. And then what level of the online system I need. So I had to, had to subscribe uh, at least low level on the PlayStation side to get the farm sim game working properly uh, to connect to the servers and all that kind of stuff for the mods. Probably do the same thing to, to even download the games. Uh, so I was like, do I need Xbox Live? How much is that going to cost? So, yeah, I think it's Xbox Live Gold. And the thing that I would suggest is if uh, I think you might get a free trial or something when you start, when you log in your new screen name and all that. So you might get a free trial and then you can kind of see once that trial runs out, you can quickly see, oh, these games no longer work or this no longer works or whatever. But then the thing to do with Xbox Live is to buy it in bulk 
like you can go to Amazon or you can go to Xbox or whatever, uh, Microsoft site, I think it's all the same mm-hmm. price now and you'll pay either 10 bucks a month or you'll pay a discounted rate for three months or you'll pay an even cheaper rate. I think you pay $60 for a year. Right. Which is yeah, five bucks yeah. a month. Yeah. So it's the more you commit to it, the cheaper it is per month. But that's really all I know because I never messed with game pass. I was never a member of the EA sports one cause they have their own thing. Um, I think if you wanted to sign up and just play the Madden games and the NBA 2K and these other ones, I think you can't do that on Game Pass. I think you have to have Game Pass and EA Sports Pass or whatever that is. So the Game Pass to me, it's it seems like a good deal if you're someone who plays a lot of different games and wants to just roll through and kind of play one once and be done with it. It's basically kind of the Netflix of of gaming you don't own any of the titles but you can play as many and as much as you want as long as you're a subscriber but i don't know how much that is was it like 20 bucks a month 10 for ea play it's an extra five bucks a month it's it's 30 dollars for the year so there's ea play and then there's also the game pass the game pass and the xbox right. live and xbox gold may be the same thing yeah it's it, xbox live gold yeah, that helps. <laughs> but even with even with Live Gold, you get access to I think two or three free games every month. And I mean, you get to keep them. A lot of times they're older, they're, you know, much older games. Some of them are 360 games even. But I think I've randomly downloaded a Hitman game or something once and I still have it in my library because that was the the gold game of the month one time and I've never played it. I don't know if I ever will, but I, I remember playing Hitman on PS2 years ago and I was almost patient enough for it then. And I might be patient enough for it now. I'm not sure. It just involved a lot of sneaking around. But at some point, I eventually just tried to go through the whole level and, and shoot everyone. And that never works. That doesn't work in Hitman. That's not the point. Yeah. Find that out quickly. <laughs> so it looks like uh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. $1 for first three months, then $15 a month after that. EA Play is included. You also, this says, access to over 100 high-quality games for console, PC, and Android mobile devices. Suck it, Apple. New games Ooh. added all the time. Xbox Game Studio titles the same day as release. Exclusive member discounts and deals. Free perks, including in-game content and partner offers. Xbox Live Gold, which includes deals with gold, games with gold, and console multiplayer. So it looks like Xbox Live is included in that as well. Yes, that it helps. is. It's like a, it's a tiered thing. Yeah, because it's not included if you just get the regular uh, Game Pass, I don't think. Play games on your Android mobile phone and tablet from the cloud. But at 15 bucks a month, man, dang. Yeah, I know. It's a little steep. It Anyways. is a little bit, but you know, some of these games you're looking at getting, Fortnite is free. Right, but then like if you want to get a you know if you want to get Madden, that's sixty bucks right there. That's it's on sale right now for thirty. Right, but like think, usually a new release game is get it is like sixty bucks. That's four months of your subscription right there. Correct. Yeah, but that's. I mean, I would I would think it would be great for those games that you that it maybe doesn't have a multiplayer aspect, but has just a single player mode. 
uh, something like Dead Space. This is aging me because that was like the last time I played one that was more geared towards just you as one person going through a game. Dead Space is one of those or Bioshock or something where you just you kind of play it once and you're done unless you want to, you know, play it again some somewhere down the road. But like these multiplayer ones or games like, like Farm Sim where you just can constantly and constantly play for hours and hours and hours. It'd be tough for me to not just buy it. Yeah. Anyway, lots of things to figure out, man. Lots of things to figure my PS, out. My PS4 friend. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up an Xbox probably next week. Whenever, because you've got to you've got to get all your stuff off of it and then kind of reformat the hard drive or clear it off, whatever you need to do, reset it. Yeah, the main thing I've got to do is make sure I all of my farm sim games move over <laughs> to the new Xbox, <laughs> and that I download all the mods I need to continue the games I've already started. So that's kind of what's going to take the most time, I think, to be honest with you. <laughs> and then and I hope good. to do most of that tomorrow, but you know, I think it'll be too late for y'all to have it until y'all get back. Yeah. Cause we're, we're, we're taking off tomorrow. We're going out of town uh, for the, you know, the Christmas break um, right after somebody gets off work. So, well, I will have it ready for you when you get back. And I don't know if you ever told me, do you need an HDMI cable or do you have one laying around? I mean, I'll take one if you're giving one away. <laughs> I'll see what I'll see what I've got. I mean, you I are, just cleaned out my closet recently. You, you are charging me for this Xbox, so <laughs> just go ahead and include it in the price. Free HDMI cable. Thanks, brother. Free, it's included. <laughs> all right. That'll there's all right. That'll do it for us on the 23 Personnel Podcast this week. I'm Spencer. That's Michael. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.